Oh, Lord, we love you, and we do believe in God, our Father, in Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our God, who is three in one. What an amazing truth that is. Even if we fall short in our understanding, we're still so grateful to know that you are who you are and that we are your children. I pray, Father, as we turn our hearts and minds to your word tonight, that you, God, would give us guidance and wisdom, that you would speak to us and give us your grace, help us to hear from you, to draw near to you, and be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've made it through five chapters of Joshua in two weeks. We're going to make it through three more tonight. That's the plan. Uh, at this point, the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan River in to take the land that God has given them. Just like us moving into the life and the spirit of God and our new life in Christ. They are now beginning to possess what God has given them. Last week, we ended with Joshua meeting the commander of the Lord's army. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, but as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. That's my bad Archibald Asparagus impression. Was that okay? If they ever reboot VeggieTales with good storylines, I could go do it. Not Monty Python? What? We are the knights who say, as the commander of the Lord's army. It's kind of close, isn't it? It's kind of close. Hello, silly pickle. <laughs> wow. See, this is what happens when you, when you watch VeggieTales and you get into Joshua. Josh and the big wall just comes back. But he met with the commander of the Lord's army. We discussed this last week. That was, of course, Jesus. Uh, and my guess is, as we get into the beginning of chapter 6, the instructions that come from the Lord, uh, as explained to us by the word of God uh, through Joshua, uh, were probably given to him by the commander of the Lord's army. Um, that's my guess. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up. Because of the children of Israel, none went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands, its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass, when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. So the city of Jericho is closed. No one's allowed in, no one's allowed out. My guess, the king of Jericho is going, we don't want people running away from this. We, we need everybody here. My guess. Uh, but this, of course, was because of their fear of Israel. So God tells Joshua, I told you. I told you I was going to give them to you. And now they're all scared to death. That's the message version. And as we've talked about so many times, God had given it to him. Given it to them. 
They just had to go in and possess their victory. And as we've talked about, and I'm going to keep talking about it because it's so important, it's the same for us in our walk with Christ. The victory is already ours. We just have to possess the victory that's already been given to us. So the plan for conquering Jericho, I like this plan. Walk around the city, take all the men of war, walk around the city six days, and we're going to get a little more detail on this. On the seventh day, blow the ram's horn, scream at the walls, and they're going to fall down flat. And we've had this discussion in the past. To me, that seems like not the best military strategy, right? We're not, we're not putting ladders up. We're not building siege works. We're not shooting arrows. We're not digging holes. We're, I, I don't know what you did in war back then, but we're just going to walk around the, the city. Right? Well, I think there's a reason. Because as we get into the other victories of Israel moving forward in the book of Joshua, we're going to see that those victories were accomplished through Israel's military, of course, through the power of God, but still using Israel's military. This was to be different. This was the first victory. This was meant to be a miracle so that God alone would get the glory and so that the people would know that it was God who gave them this victory. Now, we're going to see when we get to chapter 7, well, they have really short-lived memories. Uh, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Chapter, or verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And remember, seven is the number of completion. And he said to the people, Proceed, and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was. When Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the Ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once. Then they came to the camp and lodged in the camp. I, I'm telling you, were they sitting there that first night like, what was that? Right, what, what about the people of Jericho looking over the world? What are they doing? I thought they were here to, we wanted a fight. They're just going for a walk. Well, if that's all they're going to do, we're probably going to be okay. Right? I can only imagine the thoughts going through their head. We're not giving that. Verse 12, Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord and the priest bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. Maybe it's just me. Am, am I the only one who feels this way? Do I, is there any agreement amongst the, the, the group here? That, that it would have just, I, I don't know how big Jericho was, you know, how much of a footprint it took up, but even if it was miles, right? If each wall was, you know, if it was big. So you go for a five, six, seven mile walk and you go back and sit down for the rest of the day. Right, you'd be done by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. What do we do now? Well, we're going to do that again tomorrow. The people on the wall. Imagine like day five. The people on the wall. What is wrong with them? 
Just shoot an arrow already. <laughs> you know. Where's the violence? Where's the Maybe some of the people saw that conversation. It's, I, I, I'm just, I'm saying if it was me. Now, maybe the Israelites are better than me. Maybe y'all are better than me. <laughs> I just know by day five, right, I'm not allowed to talk. The, the priests are blowing the ram's horns, but I'm not allowed to talk. And you nudge the guy next to you. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I, I, I would imagine this would have been an odd sight. They, they were used to a certain type of warfare. It's why they had the walls that they had. Um, I, I imagine. Um, this is what I came up with. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. See, I think we want to understand when God wants us to trust. And sometimes we try to base our trust on our understanding. Well, God, you know, if you'll just tell me what you're going to do, then I'll trust you for it. Is that really trust? I think I know me personally. I've learned this. I'm going to take that back because I haven't really learned it. I've had, I've been exposed to this lesson on numerous occasions. Where the Lord's like, trust me. And I'm like, but Lord, I don't get it. And he'll say, that's okay. I know what I'm going to do. You don't have to know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. And, and God wants us to have faith in his ways, even when we don't understand them, and to be obedient no matter what. So it came to pass on the seventh day. They rose early, about the dawning of the day. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed, when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, are consecrated to the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And you have to imagine, this was a lot of people, right? Nearly three million when we did the count at the end of their journeying in the desert, 603,000, uh, give or take, men 20 years old and above who were able to go to war. I've been to concerts, right? The, the, the concert, I, uh, I've been to several where there were 20, 25,000 people, right? It's loud, right? Can you imagine how loud 600 plus thousand people would be shouting at the same time? Sure. And how many, so we're being shared with 
those on the recording. How many? 70 recruits yelling on base during boot camp. Very loud. So 70, right? I mean, there's, there's what, 12 of us, 10 of us? I can't count that fast in here. If we all shouted, it would be pretty loud. 600,000. And what happened? The wall fell down flat. Now, that's interesting to me because I, I've seen buildings destroyed. I've seen walls fall down. They don't usually fall down flat, right? They crumble and pieces go this way and that way. They fell down flat so that as they surrounded the city, everyone could go straight in. So they, they took the city from every direction. Everything was to be destroyed except for Rahab and her family. Don't touch the accursed things. Everything else, all the spoils belonged to the Lord. This was the first fruits of the land. So the gold, the silver, the iron, the bronze, all that's mine. It comes into the Lord's temple or the Lord's tabernacle, into the treasury. Everything else is to be destroyed. This is important. When he says don't touch the accursed things, don't go stealing their idols. What would they be made of? Gold, silver, right? Maybe little diamonds for eyes if it was in the king's house. I don't know how that worked. But don't touch it. It'll, and, and everything that's precious goes into the Lord's house. Except for Rahab. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. I love that the destruction of this city was by faith. Romans 16.19, when we talk about the accursed things, said, I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Don't touch it. Don't, don't be, bleh. stay away from it. So verse 22, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. And that, that's pretty amazing to me that she was able to convince her father, her mother, her brothers, like all of her relatives, listen, Israel's going to win. We're going to lose. But I got a deal. Come stay in my house. You'll be okay. That takes a lot of faith, right, to believe this. But they did, and they survived. But then they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron. They put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And I love this. Uh, they would have been left outside the camp because they would have been considered unclean until they had gone through the, the, the various ceremonies that we read about way back in Leviticus. Uh, to be clean. Um, but then they burned the city, and except for the stuff that was to go into the Lord's house. And Rahab, at the time of this writing, right, so when Joshua finally got around to writing this down, he's like, yeah, so we saved Rahab. Yeah, her house is right over there. <laughs> she still lived in Israel to that day. And we talked about this, Hebrews 11.31 by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish in those who did not, with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And of course, we talked about this earlier, that Rahab becomes part of the nation of Israel, 
part of the line of David, according to Ruth chapter 4, part of the line of Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 1. God took a harlot and made her part of the genealogy of Jesus, our Savior. This could only be accomplished by his grace. And what it tells me is that our past is not what's important, but a relationship with God through Christ. That's what matters. Verse 26. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who raises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the country. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34, in case you want to be real specific, I could have just said 1 Kings 16 and made you read the whole thing. But in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34, this curse is fulfilled. It's a man by the name of Hiel of Bethel. He decided he was going to rebuild Jericho. His oldest son died as he laid the foundation of the city. His youngest son died as he was uh, setting up the gates, fulfilling this prophecy quite literally. Quite literally. And Joshua's fame spread. Now you've got to picture some of the other cities, some of the other kings, right? They were already, had lost their spirit. They were already afraid of Israel. They had already heard about how God had brought them over the Jordan miraculously. And you don't think a few of them, you sent some of these kings sent spies out to see what happened to Jericho? And those spies come back and go, um, uh, oh, oh king, yeah, the walls just fell down and they killed everyone. You, you don't think that that would have um, bothered the, the, the other kings like, the, the what now? The, the who? The, the walls just fell down and they killed everyone? But alas, there's something, what, what is the quote from Hamlet? There's something foul in Denmark. Isn't that it? Something rotten. Something rotten in Denmark. Something bad happened. Chapter 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, we are privy here to Achan's sin. They, of course, were not. That does not excuse the next eight verses. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel. And spoke to them, saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Ai was, uh, give or take, ten miles from Jericho, and much, much smaller. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people. There for the people of Ai are few. Anybody notice a problem with that statement? So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and his elders 
of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So we're made privy, like I said, of Achan's sin. Then we see the pride of Israel, right? Ah, we got this. Don't trouble everybody. A few of us will go up. We'll take care of this. No problem whatsoever. They were relying on their own power. What else didn't they do? They didn't pray. Right? They didn't inquire of the Lord. Lord, should we, should we go up? How should we go up to Ai? What should we do? They, he gave them very specific instructions for Jericho. You don't think they'd be like, all right, Lord, plan A worked. What's, what's the next plan? What do you want us to do at Ai? Right? Clearly. You know what you're doing. <laughs> so, Show us how you want us to defeat the city. The result of secret, unconfessed sin, pride, and failure to seek the Lord resulted in 36 men being killed. Great victory does not mean that we then get to rely on God less. We need him just as much on our best day as we do on our worst day. The people are discouraged. Joshua tears his clothes with the elders, puts dirt on his head, lays down before the ark and cries out this lament, says, alas, O Lord, that word alas, it's a word of hopelessness in Hebrew. How quickly his faith was gone. He could have said, all right, Lord, we blew it. I'm sorry. How do you want us to do with this? Right? But, but he went from... The walls of Jericho falling down to hopelessness like that. If Joshua had prayed before he went to Ai, this could have been avoided. So never do we become independent of God's help. Remember, uh, Paul wrote in Romans 7.18, In my flesh dwells no good thing. But I do want you to notice something. The failure was Achan's, and we're gonna, that's going to get dealt with, And the failure was Joshua's for not seeking the Lord before he went. But what does he do? Oh, alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to deliver us into their hands? He blames God. And how often do we blame God for our failures? I failed to pray before I made a decision. Now I'm upset about the decision. Oh God, how could you do this to me? And, you know, I got, I got to tell you, one of the harder parts of my job is having people come to me for counseling. And they start listing all the terrible things that have happened in their lives and how they got to those places and then say, but I don't understand why God would do this. And then to find some way to lovingly point out, um, God didn't do it. You did. You didn't pray or, or you were disobedient or when God told you 
to turn left, you turned right, and now you're blaming him because you refuse to listen. That's, it's not God's fault when we disobey. Uh, but that's exactly what Joshua was thinking. I love God's response. I love it. And the reason I love it is because God has responded to me in similar fashion in the past. <laughs> Verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. What was the problem? Sin, deception, and God said, if there's sin, in de- I'm not going with you. I'm not going to be involved in that. Therefore, the children of Israel, oh, I already read that, didn't I? Get up, verse 13, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your men- enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to your families. The family which the Lord takes shall come according to the households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. And it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, and we got Judah. Then by clans, and we got the Zerahites. And then by family, and we got um, the family of Zabdi. And he brought the household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, and I, I want you to hear this. I feel like Joshua's heart is broken when he says this. My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now, what you have done, do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over them a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place had been called the Valley of Achor to this day. So God says to Joshua, get up, there's sin in the camp. So they called out all the families. Sanctify yourselves. We're going to call everybody out. And I'm guessing they used the Urim and the Thummim to determine the Lord's will. Is it this family? No. Is it this family? No. Is it this? Oh, there it is. Until they came all the way down. And uh, I see Joshua's heart. 
my son. My son. Confess to God. Well, give glory to God. Then confess to God and tell me what you've done. He knew this man was about to die. He knew his whole family, everything he had was about to die and be burned. And I think that broke Joshua's heart. But at the same time, 36 men died because of what Achan did, at least in part. So I, I don't think God's judgment is unjust here. But he says, confess to God and tell me. And I'm going to encourage you all, we need to do the same thing. Uh, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> but we're told in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we confess our sins to God. And then he tells us in James 5, 16 that we are to confess our sins to one another. That we can pray for one another and be healed. For the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to one another for healing. Because we're really only as sick as our secrets. So how much did Achan steal? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Because I was kind of curious, so I looked it up. And it's really not that important. The point was that he stole from God and he disobeyed God's command. But notice the progression of sin. Achan saw the garment, the silver and the gold. Then he desired it, coveted it. He was aching for that stuff. And then he took it. James 1. 13 through 15. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were studying James 1. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. So he saw it. He desired it. He was enticed by it. It conceived to sin, so he grabbed it, and he could have put it down. He could, have thrown, he could have picked it up and gone, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm out. Nope, nope, nope. When he brought it home, right, because his wife, his children, back then they would have all been in the same tent. His wife could have been like, dude, do not bring that in my house. Or however that sounds in Hebrew. And she was like, ooh, shiny. Right? She must have known, at the very least. Maybe the kids were older. Maybe they knew too. And we're keeping it quiet. I don't know. But what happens when sin when it is full grown? It brings forth death. So I was quite curious about the value of what he took. Uh, in today's value, it was about twenty or about $2,000 worth of silver. About $40,000 worth of gold. Um, I don't know what the Babylonian garment was worth. I couldn't find that. Achan admitted his covetousness and he paid dearly for his sin. And we are foolish if we ever think that sin will not have consequences. If we think we've gotten away with it. That's why, and I bring this verse up a lot, but that's why Galatians 6, 7, and 8 tells us, do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. And God will not compromise in our lives to make room for our sin. God is not going to come, come into us and go, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's okay. Now, when we confess to him and we're repentant, well, he'll receive us back to himself. But he's never going to look at us and go, yeah, you know what? It was just, just a little whatever. He's not going to do that. Not in the least. Chapter 8. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given it into your hand. The king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. Very, very different now, isn't it? God said, it's all right. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'm going to take care of this. And this is how you're going to do it. I like that. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. Now, I'm just saying, first time we set a couple thousand people up, didn't work out so well because we weren't listening to God. You know what? We're sending a lot this time. Then I and all the people who are with me will, oh, wait a second, verse four, I skipped a verse. And he commanded them saying, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city. But all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and it will come about. When they come out against us as at the first that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them away from the city. For they will say they are fleeing before us as they did at first. Therefore we will flee, for, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord. You shall do. See, I have commanded you. So I like this, right? They got a plan now. They're sending 30,000 people. Now they're going to do it God's way instead of trying to do it their own, which of course always works out so much better. Um, but I want you to notice something. God tells them that after you conquer AI, you can take this stuff. It's yours. It's your booty. Achan just needed to be patient for a couple days and he would have been wealthy instead of dead. How often do we step out in front of God and get ourselves out of his will because of our impatience? I know nobody here does that. I, I do that. I do it a lot. I do it a lot too. Verse 9. So Joshua sent them out and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning. He mustered the people, went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people of Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now the valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And it happened when the king of Ai saw that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. 
he and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. The Lord said to Joshua, stretch out your spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand in the rear of the city and took it and hurried to set it on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on their pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field in the wilderness where they pursued them, and when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of the city, Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it into the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains to this day. So the plan is carried out. It's complete and utter destruction of Ai takes place, with Israel taking the spoils, destroying everything and everyone else within the city. Uh, including all those who tried to escape. The king of Ai is hung on a tree, and his body is thrown at what is left of the gate of the city and uh, piled up in a a heap over him. So I want to remind you of something. Why was God destroying these people? Back in Deuteronomy 7, 21 through 26, God commanded the complete destruction of those in the land because of their detestable sins and practices. Things like burning babies alive in the arms of a metal idol while having a sexual orgy around it to the screams of the dying child. God was using Israel as a tool of punishment on these nations and reminding Israel and us the consequences of such sin. God is the only perfectly just judge. What he is doing here is right. Not only is judgment against these nations and their detestable practices, but also as protection for the nation of Israel. Their failure to completely destroy the inhabitants of the land led to their downfall, which we'll see when we get up into 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. So I have no problem with this. I really don't. I have, I, 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 you know, I want to be compassionate and I want to be loving and I know God is forgiving, but I fear 
and truly do for those who harm children in whatever way on the day they stand before God. Now, the beauty thing, beauty, the beauty thing, the beautiful thing is that if they repent of that sin and they accept Christ as Savior, they can, they can and will be forgiven. But if they don't, it's going to be a really rough day. Verse 30. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord, God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, and as it was written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man had wielded an iron tool. And they'd offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel with their elders and officers and judges took or stood, sorry, on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings, the cursings, according to all that was written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. So they're now in the area of Samaria near Shechem. This is where Jesus met the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Here, Joshua builds an altar according to the command of God to Moses, an altar of unworked stone. So the focus would not be on the altar, but on God. And we talked quite a bit about that when that command was first given. They offered burnt offerings, which is an offering of consecration to God. Then they offered peace offerings, which is an offering of fellowship with God. Then the words of the law were written on the stones. And then the entirety of the law is read before the people. Right? So some of them go up to Mount Ebal to call out the blessings. Some of them go up to Mount Gerizim to call out the cursings for not keeping the law. And then they read the entirety of the law to everyone who was there. Men, women, children, strangers, all of them. And you think, I'm long-winded? I could, Now, he said the book of Moses. Right? Well, to them, that would have been just Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. It was originally one book. It was broken up later. So they would have read everything from Genesis 1-1 to the end of the book of Deuteronomy while they stood there and listened. And when they got to Deuteronomy, to where they were commanded to call out the blessings for keeping the law and the blessing and the, and the curses for disobeying the law, those were called out by the, by the priests and the men chosen from the tribes to do so, as was commanded uh, in the book of Deuteronomy. That would have been a long day, I think. Probably a glorious day, but a long day nonetheless. Now, recently, and I, I love God's timing, um, I, I, I found, or not found, it came across my news feed, I actually think on Facebook, um, that archaeologists in Israel discovered a tablet from a dig on Mount Ebal. Have you, have you seen this? It dates about to this time, and the inscription that they were able to decipher, they couldn't decipher at all, but what they were able to decipher, the inscription says, cursed, cursed, cursed by God, Yahweh, or Jehovah, just the, the four letters, Y-H-V-H. 
on top of the mountain where they're standing right now in the book of Joshua. I love the fact. Now, we don't need archaeological evidence to confirm the Bible to us, but I love that it's there. It, it makes it really cool for us. Now, next week, we will see the sun stand still and the continuing conquest of the land. I think, did I turn off? Did my microphone turn off? Yep. There we go, I'm back. Sorry, everybody. Um, I don't know when it turned off, but we, we closed out with cool archaeological evidence that they found on Mount Ebal for the cursings and blessings being read. If you missed it, I'll post the sermon tomorrow and you can catch the tail end of that. I apologize. Um, but next week, we're going to see the sun stand still. One of the coolest things in my mind. Because actually what happened is, is that uh, the earth stopped spinning. Um, and how God did that without everybody flying off, I don't know. But it's kind of cool, and, and we're going to talk about that next week. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping so. Kind of like, kind of slowed it down a little bit. But until then, oh, I died again. I think the battery must be dying. Yep. Well, until then, may the Lord bless you and be with you. And, and I pray that God would just help us to learn from the book of Joshua and the history of Israel. Help us to enter into all that you have for us, a life of victory and joy and blessing, God, as we continue our relationship and our walk with you. May your grace and blessing be upon each of us by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.